0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Jasmine who leads the tech recruiting team at Vorto. In this episode, Jasmine and I discuss the importance of interview training and the effect a lack of training can have on diversity in your team. We also look into the do's and don'ts of asking questions as the interviewer and the concept of unconscious bias and how this can affect how decisions are made if the interview panel itself is not diverse. Yet again, another great conversation. I hope many of you will find it helpful. So, Jasmine, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Sure love to. So my name is
1: Jasmine. I'm 34 years old, living in Berlin. Um, Real Berliners would say I'm not a Berliner because I wasn't born and raised here, but I moved to the city 15 years ago. So I consider myself a Berliner very much. Um, And yeah, I'm a professional in um, talent acquisition, have been so for the last few years and um, for the past, I would say four or five years focusing um, on positions in tech, tech talent acquisition. That's what I'm doing. That's who I am.
0: Nice, awesome. Um, and a bit more about your career journey. Of course, how did you get into the, the kind of TA space, the recruitment space? Everyone's journey is so different. Some people fall into it, some people really want to get into it. Tell us a bit more about your your journey.
1: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I personally don't know anybody that had the plan to become a recruiter at some point. I have never met somebody that said, like, I always wanted to be a talent acquisition manager. I always wanted to be in recruiting. So um, yeah, it was the same for me. I had no plans whatsoever to get into recruiting. Um, for the most part of my early 20s, I actually did something completely different. I have a background in retail and hospitality. Um, I was a makeup artist. I was trained to be a makeup artist. So I was doing something completely different. And then when I was in my late late 20s, sounds so weird to say that, but when I was in my late 20s, I decided I will give this university thing a shot. And um, I always wanted to study psychology. So that's what I did. Started to enroll for psychology in university. And that's how I actually ended up in recruiting because we had to do mandatory internships. Um, Ended up doing an internship in recruiting uh, in a startup and just discovered I'm really good at this. You know, it wasn't about like this is my passion, but I just noticed like I'm really good at this. I find it so interesting. And I basically had found my calling as corny as that might sound. So, um, yeah, never left ever since. Since then, I basically have seen lots of different things. I've been in this um, smaller startup. Um, I've seen some scale ups um, and now I'm at my second larger scale up in hyper growth or that has experienced hyper growth as well. So um, that's kind of like my career so far.
0: Love that. Yeah, you're so right. No one, you know, wakes up and says, you know, or, or, as a kid, I want to be no. a recruiter. <laughs> no, never. I mean, I mean, anyone who does props to them for kind of just knowing so soon this is going to be what they wanted to do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, really interesting. And I guess walk us through like, what you're doing now uh, in your current company, what part of your role consists of. Tell us a bit more about that. Sure. So um, I am
1: with a larger scale up, I would say, called Forto. Um, it's one of the largest um, or larger tech unicorns in, uh, in Germany, um, enabling the logistics industry with uh, building technologies to automate processes and so on. I've been here for roughly two years now, and I'm leading the tech recruitment department, um, so uh, making sure that we have all the engineers, um, product people, uh, data people, and so on that we need. Um, yeah, so it's been a really, really fun journey. When I started, I was uh, in hyper growth still. Um, now things have slowed down a bit. So was was lots of process building as well, um, team building, um, pretty large tech team as well, building up my own um, recruiting team, obviously. So that's um, kind of in a nutshell what I'm doing. Um, but I also uh, want to highlight that today I'm here in Uh, Yeah, not my role for Forto, but I'm more speaking from a general experience in the um, talent acquisition space, um, also being a woman in this uh, industry and so on. So, yeah, I'm really proud to work for Forto, But um, today, it's just taken from all my experience so far, I would say.
0: Yeah, because I think, you know, we tend to kind of think of women in tech as just women, you know, engineers or female engineers, but it's it's all of us. (laughs) Exactly.
1: All of us. All of us. And also, let me tell you, there's um, so many obstacles that also as a female recruiter in tech you have to face, just the way that uh, male engineers will talk to you in interviews. And um, it never stops. It just recently happened, actually, that um, so, so my team uh, my my tech recruiting team is all male, so the guys in my team are uh, two two lovely gentlemen, and um, they're recruiting for some roles. I'm recruiting for some roles still, and they had a candidate that they wanted to pass on to me because they felt like, oh, it's a better fit for your role, and they said like, oh, it's such a great guy, great conversation, it was so fun. That was the rudest person I had met in a while, and really treated wow. me so differently and uh, really immense planning all the way through. So it kind of is true for all the um yeah for all the women in tech or in the industry maybe so um yeah not excluding myself and still after several years it still cuts deep you know
0: (laughs) yeah no I agree I agree I think you tend to kind of forget and and even when you are super engineers uh there's always that I think pre-assumption that you know there's so many uh judgments based on you know us being a female so yeah it's it's really interesting there yeah Yeah. absolutely Yeah. And of course, one thing I mean, the the main topic of today's uh, conversation really is something which I know that you're pretty passionate about. And I'm so, so excited to kind of dive a bit deeper into this topic because I think it's it's probably something that a lot of companies really underestimate. And I think a lot of companies are not too sure how to best navigate it. But of course, right. when we first connected, uh, we discussed a lot about your role in terms of interview trainings and why this is important. Um, so yeah, really kind of excited to kind of dive a bit deeper into this topic. Uh, so yeah, I mean, give us a give us a bit of a background on this topic, what it means for you, and what you've been doing, and, and what does interview training mean? Yeah,
1: such a complex topic and one that, as you as you already said, I'm so passionate about. Um, because you also rightfully said people kind of underestimate interviewing until they notice they have a problem with hiring, right? So um, that's also true for talent acquisition as a profession in general, right? I think we've all seen those um, early stage startups that start building up a company. They kind of think they know what they're doing. All of a sudden they have like a hundred employee company and they feel like, oh, we need HR, we need talent acquisition. And then they basically start fixing what um, has been broken from the start. Um, And it's the same with interview trainings. Um, I mean, if you just think about the sheer numbers of building a company, your first hire is 100% of your culture, right? If all of a yes. sudden you have 100 people working for you, each person makes up like 1% of your whole culture. Still, for example, culture is one of the most, or the, the, the biggest reasons for rejecting candidates. Oh, they don't fit our culture. But you have 100 people already and you probably cannot even pinpoint what is your culture and everybody has their own opinion. So then you have all those people interviewing and um, everybody thinks they know what they're doing. Some of them might, but if there's no common understanding of what do we want from candidates, what vision are we building towards, what is our culture, how can we even test for culture, and what is really important to us, then you will have 100 people, in the worst case, all following their gut feelings,
0: Yeah, everybody...
1: (laughs) Because we're all a bit proud, you know, and we all think that we know best. Um, So you have 100 people basically just uh, doing whatever they want and uh, asking questions, assessing people. And in the end, that's the kind of company that you're building. So it is really, really important, in my opinion, to get it right from the start to establish a common understanding of what is the purpose of our hiring process, what do we expect from candidates? What is the standard of interviewing? Um, how is it connected to candidate experience? How is it connected to building diverse teams? How is it connected to our internal um, yeah, career path and growth of our people as well, right? Because I think interviewing is also a very valuable skill that if you do it right, can be part of the performance reviews and um, of your internal path and all these kind of things. right? So it's like such a complex thing. And I think it's always easier to do it right, right away, instead of fixing it as soon as you see that you have a problem. Um, and I have seen both in my career. I've been in companies where basically it was about, okay, let's fix it. <laughs> we yeah. basically know how it should not look like. But I've also been in companies where um, I luckily had like the liberty to set it up from the beginning um, when we're actually building a whole department from scratch so um, i have seen both um, but yeah the, the bottom line always is the same that people underestimate how important it is to have a good thought through interview process and as well interview trainings
0: yeah, yeah, because I mean, I mean, so much there to un-un-pick un- there, but I think yeah, you're so right. It's not even just about the process; it's about how you actually go about. Of course, we're going to go into a lot more detail here, but yeah, really interesting there. And I guess my question is, I mean, a lot of this this whole uh, podcast is really about discussing diversity, discussing why it's important. I guess on the topic of interview training, um, I guess from your opinion, how does that actually, or why is it important when? Interviewing for or a diverse uh, engineering position or whatever it may be, why is it important for hiring diverse talent? Yeah,
1: um, I think that having a structure is already the first step. Just having a structure, the standard in place, will automatically help you build more diverse teams and actively work against the the unconscious bias you might have, even if diversity might not be your goal, right? Even if you don't actively say, oh, we have to implement some diversity initiatives, having a clear structure for interviewing will always help your case. Um, One simple example, I mean, we're talking about biases a lot, um, or we will probably will later on. Um, But if you just think about your own experience as well, We all are wired in the way that we make a decision in a split second. That's just the way that our brain works, right? So just imagine that you're an interviewer and, um, I mean, you're a recruiter. You still, it still happens to you. It still happens to me. Somebody (laughs) enters the room, a candidate, and in a split second, you either like them or you don't. Every recruiter that tells me they don't have a judgment about a candidate is just lying. You, you 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 cannot help your brain, right? So you see a candidate and there is something that connects you and you think like, oh, they are so fun, they are so charming, you want them to do well. If you don't have a clear structure to your interview, if you don't have a clear structure to your process, you will unconsciously ask them questions that set them up for success. Because you want to confirm your own belief, you want to make yourself proud by telling yourself, oh, my gut feeling is always right, and you will subconsciously ask them questions that make them succeed. Uh, We all do that. So just having a structure and asking everybody the same question um, really, really helps. And um, in my opinion or in my experience, how you can tell that it works is if you are disappointed at the outcome of an interview. I sometimes still have that, that um, I was really rooting for somebody that I'm asking my send questions. In the end, it's just very clear that they do not fit the profile. And then I feel like, oh, I really wanted them to succeed. But the data clearly shows they did not succeed. They're not the right fit. So um, just like these small examples, and that's coming from somebody that has done so many interviews already, um, it still shows that this unconscious bias is real. So um, so yeah, in my opinion, just discussing this, setting up clear guidelines, um, setting up standards really, really helps. And um, there's also lots of, studies backing that up as well and uh, i think it's also how i got interested into the whole topic of setting up a, a good interview process in the first place was way back in university when we were discussing things like what which assessment methods correlate highest with future job success, performance on the job and so on. Mm. And unstructured interviews just rank very, very low. Whereas um, case studies, structured interviews, trial days like on the job rank pretty high because you will have data to collect and actual skills to assess it are related to the job rather than just like seeing how it goes and going with the flow and trusting your gut. So um, yeah, I think just having a clear clear plan and standards really helps.
0: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more because I think just having that plan and structure actually helps you to attract the talent you need, but then also helps them, you to actually get them through the process. Because it's fine getting all these people interested in the company, but if you actually can't put them through the process, then it's almost like all of that work kind of goes goes unsaid because you haven't been able to finish it off, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and, and, and we've been there, you know, we've been there. Yeah. Um, so we know <laughs> how that feels. Um, so yeah, you really have to think about the whole process of um, how can we attract the right people? How can we make sure that we are also interesting to them as a company? So, also topics like diversity, how biased are we, how professional is our process, plays a huge role in candidate experience. And we all know the market. Um, candidates should also pick the job that they feel, okay, they can grow most and they feel comfortable with. And just having a professional interviewing team and the professional um, process really helps with that. Um, one other thing that, when it comes to setting up the right processes, I'm sure that you've seen it before and um, everybody's listening that might have been a candidate at some point also has known it. You interview for a job, you have five or six people that you have to talk to, and you are basically having the same interview six times because everybody (laughs) that you talk with asks the same question. So (laughs) at some point you're wondering, what is this interview process about? Is it just about me getting to know the people? Do they actually know what they're looking for? what is the differentiation between each call that I'm having? So it can just leave a very unprofessional um, um, image of your company if you're not doing it right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I guess on the topic of interview training, of course, often in many companies, you know, yourself, you're doing interviews, but a a big part of an interview process is the hiring manager. You know, they are the person that makes the decisions ultimately, they're the decision maker. Uh, Equally, they're the person that, you know, is, is speaking with engineers or speaking with talent you know, why is it so important to train hiring managers and and kind of how have you you gone about it yourself in your career?
1: Um, In my opinion, there's a big difference between somebody being a good interviewer per se and somebody being a good interviewer for that company. And I think Mm. that's the biggest obstacle in setting up interview trainings, because lots of the time you're going to be I'm dealing with people that are managers already, people that um, have 10, 15 years of experience. And it's kind of difficult to tell them like, hey, I want to teach you a thing or two about interviewing, uh, because they will say, I have interviewed hundreds of people in my life, which they have. But you can also do something 100 times and not do it right, you know? So experience is not always the best indicator for quality. And even if you have done 100 great interviews in your past company, maybe our understanding in this company for what we want to achieve, what is our interview style, um, what is our process like, and what is our common understanding of a standard might be different from what you've done for the past 10 years. So it's always worth talking about it. In the end, it's not necessarily about Training somebody, um, teaching somebody about um, how a good interview looks like, but bringing everybody on the same page and aligning and defining a standard of interviewing in a company. So I think that if you approach it from that angle for um, the more experienced managers, most of the time it's easier to digest and to accept that they will have to go through an interview training. Um, so I would always avoid telling them you're doing it wrong. Because that just might not be the case. It's really about defining um, a standard in a company. And um, also most times I think very experienced people might be even more prone to running into mistakes and making mistakes along the along the line right because you get you get a bit blind to your own um biases maybe you get a bit blind to the mistakes that you're making um so this is also why um recruiters the talent acquisition team is also part of these trainings right so we constantly should learn and evolve it's not just the managers um but yeah i think it all has to start with really finding a good narrative around why do we need this why am i the expert for this and what do you get out of it because that's ultimately what um, the hiring managers want to hear, right? We're doing this because we believe that good structured interviews will help us in assessing skills better, will help us to hire faster and better, will help you to spend your time somewhere else, um, will help you to retain your talent because you made the right choice in the beginning. And then hopefully you won't have to interview for the next year, right? (laughs) Because that person will just stay with you. So um, just trying to highlight the the benefits of being a good interviewer and having a good process and going through this um, training really helps as well.
0: Yeah, honestly, so, uh, so, so helpful. And I think what you said there about having the expectations aligned and having the same narrative across the entire team is so important. I mean, as a recruiter myself, how many times have I been working with a company where I'm speaking with one person about one thing and I'm speaking with another person and they've said the opposite to the person they spoke with first? And I'm like, hold on a sec, how can I do my job if we're not aligned internally?
1: yeah and that's not only about um, um the process right, and what questions to ask, but it's also I think I believe that every interview process that you want to set up starts with the profile. what are you actually looking for and I'm still surprised sometimes how often there's so much misalignment in one team about the profile they're looking for, because again, people have an inherent understanding of. What do I think is a good software engineer, right? Or if I would ask you, what do you think is the ideal talent acquisition manager? I could ask you; you would give me different bullet points, than I would give you, right? Because you and me have your have our own experience, um, and we have an inherent understanding of what we believe a talent acquisition manager recruiter would need. Um, but if you work for a certain company, you kind of have to follow what does this company need. What kind of talent acquisition manager do we need in this company at this point? What kind of engineer do we need? And unfortunately, that is something that is more important than your own personal opinion. So, just having this alignment on the profile in a large interview team is already the start to setting up a, a process. Because, how can you have a good process if you have, I don't know, five people involved and there's five different opinions on the role yeah. and the skill set needed for that role? So, I would always yeah. start with that having your
0: profile online and (laughs) documented as well yeah no honestly I mean that would be an amazing place to start oh and I think a lot of people listening today would be interested to know like okay interview training I know it's important. How do I go about it? You know, I think a lot of interviews start. I mean, like I said, the process itself can be varied, but interviews are conversations. They're questions. Uh, I mean, looking into kind of how we actually ask questions. Because I'm sure a lot of people will be thinking, okay, I have a hiring manager. He's pretty difficult. I know that he might ask, you know, not great questions. So looking into the questions itself and and how you know how can we help people here how would you say or looking into the actual questions talk about that you know why is it important when you actually think about questions and and why is it important to even think about how we ask them
1: yeah i think the most hands-on practice or best practice or tip that i can give is actually as i said starting from the profile sit down with your hiring manager and ask them what are the must have skills meaning the person cannot start doing the job without those skills what are nice to have skills? or skills that could be developed on the job. So that means that we're really trying to build a standard around the must-have skills, because that's like our minimum service that we have to provide. Find a person that can find, or that that has like these three skills, because without those three skills, a person cannot start. Um, And then try to really... Phrase questions around that. And this is where talent acquisition can really help. Trying to make the hiring manager think about behavioral questions, situational questions. Also think about the most common challenges here on the job, because that usually makes for really good questions. If you really think about that one big problem that you want this new employee to solve, ask them, what would you do in this situation? This is the situation. What will you do? How will you make sure that um, this was the right call? How will you, um, um, I don't know, what metrics are you thinking about? So really make them think about on-the-job tasks and challenges um, because that will make it really close to the role. And I think this is the biggest tip that I always give my hiring managers. Ask questions that are related to this job, to relevant experience somebody might have that might be relevant on this job as well. Um, Make sure that you really understand how one skill that you want to assess can be assessed in one simple question. Don't ask questions that have like, I don't know, (laughs) five meanings hidden inside. And I think the biggest learning that I had, and um, also still to this day, what hiring managers are shocked when I tell them that, um, people can learn how to ask uh, ask questions, but how many people actually know what to do with the answer? I think this is something that gets forgotten Way too often when setting up an interview process or an interview guideline and a set of questions, because you can have like all your nicely designed questions. But in the end, if the hiring manager doesn't know what to do with the answers, what's the expected answer here? And this is something that um, I really, really try to document with my hiring managers um, so that they really understand I'm asking this question to assess skill A. This is what I would expect for this person can basically start right away tomorrow. This is the most ideal answer. This is a no-go answer that basically means that we would have to reject them based on that. And this is like a hmm, okay-ish answer. Let's see how they answer the rest of it. Are there any specific questions that um, are ranking higher than others? If somebody fails this one question can they even still save the interview or not right so yeah, just how, yeah. <laughs> to, how to give feedback to certain things and how to assess answers I think this is a part that gets forgotten way too often
0: yeah no I couldn't agree more and I think having the questions actually identify the skill which you're trying to find is. So, I mean I mean we could we could have a lovely conversation I could ask you some amazing questions about what you like to do at the weekend and all of these things but <laughs> Great okay I know we did the weekend but I need to know can you do this can you do what the job is actually going to tell can you can you you know do the skill or or do you have the skill which is actually what we're looking for and I think how you ask the question is going to help you find that answer. <laughs> and this
1: is also why I think um, it's so important to um, really put a clear focus area to each interview. This is what I said early on that candidates, um, I think um, we, we've all been there, that we've talked to five different people. It was the same conversation over and over again. And every interview was lacking a focus. So I think it really, really helps to have a clear focus for each interview and also make sure that the people the interviewers um, conducting that interview have some expertise around that because it also doesn't make sense to ask questions that you don't understand the answer to this is also why me and my team we are not asking technical questions i know some technical recruiters do And I would if I would really understand it. I ask the questions that I really do understand from my understanding, but I would never ask somebody to explain some engineering concept in depth if I do not understand the answer. And the same goes for what hiring managers would ask in any kind of department, in any kind of profession. Make sure that you ask questions that you can assess, where you can assess the answers, where you understand if that is relevant to the skill set or not. So it really really makes sense to have different focus areas um, for, for different interviewers and different interviews.
0: Yeah, no, honestly, so, so helpful. And I guess on to, we spoke about it briefly earlier about the kind of idea of unconscious bias, right, it comes up all the time. And I think naturally, we don't even realise we're doing it. I mean, that's why it's unconscious, but we don't even realise that we have this bias towards, you know, female candidates or towards male candidates. I mean, how do the questions affect that? Because I mean, naturally, right, if you ask a question that is tended to, to lean towards something, which is, of course, not a skill that person has, or vice versa. How do you even identify that and what's the best way to go about avoiding having unconscious bias in, in the kind of questions you're asking? Yeah,
1: again, I think having the structure will help because then you will already have questions that are linked to skills. Um, I've just recently um, read a study, super interesting an article about how um, also women in performance reviews, women in unstructured interviews um, get asked personality related questions more often or are assessed based on their personality instead of like really hard skills more often. So just having a structure that is clearly related to the skill set will already help. Because if you don't have that, um, you might have your unconscious bias making you ask more, um, oh, how did you, how did you handle conflict? How did you do this? Um, so more like personality-related questions instead of like really hard skills for for females versus uh, male candidates. Um, it also really helps to understand why are we discussing this with female candidates now. So now we're coming to the actual really. Um, uncomfortable question of the day, I would say, which is, why are you talking to a candidate, a female candidate, because there happens to be a female candidate? Are you talking to a female candidate because you actively want to build more diverse teams and you want to hire more more women, for example? So what is also the trade-offs you have to make if B is true, right? If you really actively want to cater to more female candidates, is there a change in profile is the profile slightly different? Um, we will also have to open the very uncomfortable discussion about structural um, discrimination, right? In certain, in certain um, professions, in certain departments, where you really have to ask yourself, can I even ask this kind of question to the very small pool of female candidates I might have? Because structurally speaking, are they actually set up in this world? to being able to um, um, yeah, reach that skill set in the same way that male colleagues would, for example, right? So it's really, really hard to answer the question to the point because it really all depends on are you just happening to stumble upon a female candidate, you know, or are you actually trying to make your company uh, more interesting to female candidates? I think it's two completely different things.
0: Yeah, yeah. So interesting there, because I think you're so right in terms of how you go about asking. It could be the case. And I actually spoke with someone uh, this week that, you know, Mm -hmm. I think many probably feel that females aren't given the same opportunities as males. I mean, it is the case, right, in, in some professions, especially in the engineering world, which means If they're not exposed to such experiences, they probably don't have the skill set that males will have, which means, I guess, if you're looking for a certain skill and you're asking for a question to identify this skill, if females are not set up in a way to experience such skill sets, then it's hard to ask those questions, I'm guessing. And then that unconscious bias kind of comes in.
1: Yeah. So in that case, it can help to just train the hiring managers on rephrasing a question, not around tell me about a time when, expecting that that experience is already there but more asking about, hey, we probably have this situation in our team, how would you go about it, right? So situational questions um, to really assess potential and theoretical knowledge versus um, behavioral questions that are really um, designed to know more about specific experience, right? So with a female candidate, um, I would use situational questions a bit more often to really understand how would she go about a certain situation, how would she solve that problem um, and not ask about um, concrete examples from her past because I would understand that probably she didn't have the same opportunity in the past to do this. Um, I would probably also look into my profile again to really understand... What are things that I would be willing to teach someone? What are things, what do I actually expect? For example, if we're talking about management, right? Um, Let's just say you're hiring for somebody and you expect them to having a certain years of experience for managing managers. In certain industries, it's absolutely impossible to find women that even have made it to the top of a company large enough where they would actually have five or six managers as direct reports. So just understanding how that setup discriminates against women can already help. And then trying to rephrase that question, why do I want to know this? Why? Like, is there another way I can ask for this? Is this more about how would you treat a manager reporting to you differently to an individual contributor? So can you rephrase that question? What is the underlying skill you actually want to assess, right? So it takes some time, it takes some serious discussions. It's not that one tip that I can give, but just having that discussion about each bullet point on your profile, more or less, to really understand what is the underlying skill that I need here, and how would I be willing to have a trade-off and to actually really, um, yeah, encourage women. And I also hate, and I didn't say it on purpose, um, saying give female a chance, because you hear that, like, so often that hiring men just say like, oh, I'm also willing to give a female a chance and make trade-offs in the profile. No, we just have to rephrase that because the skills are there as well. The experience might not be there, Yeah, but it's a structural issue.
0: You're so right, because I think skill set and experience is very different. They might not have the experience yet, but they may actually have the skills to develop that experience. And I think that identifying those two separate things, I think, is super important when I think interviewing female engineers or female candidates in general.
1: And also to all the female um, um, female candidates um, um, listening to this. I think that every woman in a male-dominated industry also is used to having to work twice as hard for certain things so if we don't have the experience yet but we do understand what is the challenge what are the expectations in a new job i am pretty sure that women are up for the challenge and that they understand that because that's basically all of our career right working twice as hard to prove that we deserve the chance and that we deserve the
0: trust somebody placed in us right Yeah. Oh, gosh. So, so interesting. Honestly, I think that the topic itself is one that I think, honestly, we can, we can unpick in so many different layers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So interesting. And I guess sticking with the topic of kind of hiring managers, female candidates, and, you know, questions, you know, a lot of what I see often is, unfortunately the interview panel or hiring manager panel is very much male dominated Uh, so I think having that understanding of how we can best speak to female engineers or speak to female candidates and actually treat them is is incredibly important you know in your opinion I guess how can we make hiring managers more sensitive to this issue or to treating female engineers even when I think the reality is that you know the workplace isn't that diverse how do you think we can go about training hiring managers to be a bit more sensitive or what's the best way to go about it because I think a lot yeah. of people will be sitting here thinking okay how do I actually because how, how, like, I think it's kind of somewhat in your brain how can we actually t- train people to be a bit more sensitive or empathetic mm-hmm. how do you think the best way to go about that is I
1: mean again I would start with the structure of things and um, I would not start building a diverse interview panel for the sake of it. So. I think that everybody involved in the interview should make this their priority. Um, and should should not be something that is on the shoulders of the female interviewers only, because that's also something that I've seen in my career um, quite a few times, that all of a sudden you really have to find, oh, who can be a female interviewer? We're interviewing a female. We definitely need a female interviewer. She cannot talk to only men, right? Um, and I understand where that's coming from. And I think that um, female candidates are more comfortable asking certain questions to a female interviewer. So. I think that's 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 all right, Um, but the issue itself should not be only with the female interviewer. The responsibility should not only be with the female interviewer, right? So I think the first step really is to having everybody in the process aware of that it might be an issue for the female candidate to be presented with male only uh, interviewers, right? And a really really interesting uh, example for this. I once did an unconscious bias training where me and a female colleague got into a discussion about um how it can also feel weird to be the woman that is paraded around and is supposed to basically tell them, Oh, look, we're diverse. I'm a female manager, right? And then it's your job to basically convince the female candidates that we are diverse and that um it's super inclusive for women here, right? Um and we had a discussion about that, and one of the uh, uh male um people, guests in the, uh, in the in the training said, okay, but what is holding me back as a male interviewer to just ask the candidate, hey, I'm the fifth guy that you're speaking with. How you f- how does it make you feel? Um, what do you think about this interviewer panel? Um, what can we do to make you feel more comfortable? Why can I not ask that? And I said, you can. I'm not holding you back. Like I would actually yeah. <laughs> think it's really cool. Also, like if I just zone out and go back to my experience as a candidate, I would have loved if any of the um, uh, managers, male managers that interviewed me would have mentioned diversity and would have mentioned it from a um, point of view where they really care about, hey, I might not have the solution because I don't know how it feels for you. But I still want to tell you that everything is not perfect. We really, very much want to be an inclusive workspace. We're not perfect yet. You will deal with um, only male colleagues. How does that make you feel? How can we make you feel more welcome once you start a job? What kind of work atmosphere do you need to actually feel included and so on? I think if men would ask that question more often towards a candidate, that already would make the difference because I can you and me we can discuss with female candidates how it is on the job and I can tell them like oh they're really good they have the right attentions usually that's probably also the truth and um, she will understand it but it just is different if a man brings that up yeah. so just this awareness and just showing that it's not a female issue um, it's really something that everybody should be aware of I think that already makes quite a difference
0: yeah, I couldn't agree more because I think having that—I I even think having that awareness of it and 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 the male actually bringing that topic up shows that he also knows that not he's part of the problem, but he's part of the wider issue of diversity in that company, right? So having that, I guess that that transparency to say like, hey, like we we are trying to build a more diverse team, we we don't have it yet, but we're working on it. Um, I think that in itself makes. I guess females are a bit more comfortable with the fact that this is the reality of it, but they're aware of it. We're not living in like a fairy tale land of like it's all well and good and you know, all of that.
1: Exactly that. And you can make it part of your interview process. This is the tip that I would give if I would set up something like that with a hiring manager. I would tell them, like, hey, make it a standard into in your interviews to ask women what is your ideal work setup? Um, what is your experience working with male colleagues? Is there anything that we could do? to make you feel included, right? And to f- make you feel like really welcome and to help you really um, have impact soon. So h- how can we help you? So you can actually make that part of the interviewing process and asking candidates that. So I think an interview, yes, it should be about skills and so on, but um, it also doesn't hurt to have one or two questions about what do we expect in terms of um, work environment? And then also being transparent about are we able to provide that? um so yeah i i would probably make that also part of the interview
0: yeah and i think that kind of how transparent is too, tra- too transparent is actually really important
1: because right. yes.
0: like you know do you want to <laughs> highlight the problem even more i mean on that topic right a lot of people will be thinking okay a, a female asked me you know what's the diversity like what's the kind of gender gender yes. balance in the team i mean would you advise them to be completely honest what would what's the best way to kind of go about that because you don't want to make it worse but equally yeah. you have to be honest
1: yeah. I mean, there is nothing to be gained from not being honest here. Because if that person starts, she will see the reality. Yeah. So I I I think I would be transparent about what's the status quo, but I would also include what is our goal and I would also include that everybody um, is aware of the fact that things are not perfect, right? So, um I think it's a fine line. You should be transparent about what will be your day-to-day, who are your stakeholders, who will you be working with. But of course, we're also here to um, make the company sound appealing, right? And um, so, of course, I wouldn't say, oh, nobody's interested in diversity. I would never say that, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> this is also just <laughs> I think for, for all the companies I've ever worked for, diversity was important. But it's also just a structural thing. And it is something that takes time. It needs processes. It needs a clear alignment on what we want to do. Because if you don't have these structures, it is so easy to then... Just not hire a woman, you know. So, um, because everything in the society and you know, certain certain um um yeah industries is set up for being male dominated. So, I think it's completely fine to be transparent with female candidates and tell them like, hey, this is where we are. We know it's not perfect. It's not where we want to be, but everybody really thinks it's important. And then have that repeated by a man. You know, so it doesn't sound like I'm just trying to catch you and I'm trying to draw you in. But you really have the feeling throughout the process that people care about your experience as a female candidate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't agree more there. And I guess on the topic of that, I mean, a lot of people, well, people will be listening here thinking, OK, um, we've done the interview training now. we've 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 got that. We've got that sorted. But we're still not finding or we're still struggling to find female engineers. I think that actually comes from, like you said, attracting the talent in the first place. I mean, what are some of the different ways? I mean, you could have a a diverse interview panel. That's great. But you have to get them to be interested in the first place. I mean, in your role, I mean, how have you gone about actually attracting diverse talent in in the kind of very beginning stages?
1: This is purely myself speaking from my um, (laughs) own. me being a professional speaking um i think it's a very very difficult question to answer because you always have to understand why am i doing this am i actually interested in changing the male female ratio in the industry or in the market or am i doing this for my company only right because um for certain positions, you will probably find in your city maybe 50, 60 qualified women um, and hundreds of qualified men, right? So if you really want to hire a woman for a certain role, you could probably start poaching from one of those 50 other companies. In the end, there will still only be 50 qualified women in the market. You will have one, <laughs> more, in company, right? will have one more in your company, so your company looks more diverse, but the market did not change right? Just as diverse or not diverse as it was before. You just have one more female in your company now, so your ratio looks better. So I think personally, um, this is probably not an advice that I would give um, companies because in the end, it's all kind of up to them what their business strategy is, right? But for me, I would just really, really love if more companies would really understand the structural issue behind all of that and would really understand the power of encouraging um, female development in a professional way right at the roots. Actually, really the power of, let's just talk about engineers, right? The power of um, hiring more young professionals, junior engineers right away and showing them we care about you. We will develop you. You have strong mentors here. And they also, I think lots of people underestimate the power um, and the place that... your first company holds in your heart. If you look back, your first employer where you felt valued and you felt challenged and developed has such a huge place in your heart. And I think that this is really a power and a strength that we could utilize more in the recruiting space. If you actually would be giving a young female engineer the chance to learn, first of all, you would be able to tackle churn, right? Um, A senior engineer, I'm not sure about uh, your city, but in Berlin, the average tenure of a software engineer, senior software engineer is roughly 16 months. So not even one and a half years, right? Um, But this is different if you actually offer somebody to move through different career steps in your company, from an associate to um, a senior to maybe even a leadership at some point, it really offer them some development program. I strongly believe that that would make a difference and actually would really help diversity in the market, but also solve a lot of problems that companies might have internally and in finding talent, attracting talent, because loyalty and um, yeah. I think that really is a big factor in this. Um, But as I said, um, there's like so many decisions that would go into that. Of course, like lots of business decisions. Can you afford actually training somebody on the job? Can you afford like mentoring somebody? But in my opinion, I think it's something that um, should be done more in the industry, not only poaching women from positions that already have the skill set that you need, but actually really building up the talent internally.
0: Yeah, yeah, because I think that, I mean, even if a company, even if not every company can do that, it's a great place to start in terms of actually hiring, you know, they might be straight out of university, they might have the skill set to be that next junior engineer, but then also they've got that loyalty to you because you kind of trusted in them in the beginning of their early stage career, and hopefully they would actually want to give back to you, and I think that then actually fosters the, the longevity, and actually, so a lot of what I found as well is that, female engineers, they start off in the tech space or they go into it, but they are—they never particularly want to stay or they never mm-hmm. are able to grow in the tech space. And mm-hmm. I think that then, what you said, does offer that longevity and that retain uh, retainment of, of kind of female engineers. Yeah absolutely i think
1: it's um super important to have these discussions and as i said i understand if the business context of a company just does not allow for that because it is expensive to train talent right it's expensive to have somebody mentor somebody but i really really think that um all candidates would really appreciate that but uh, maybe female candidates even more so because um they don't get the chance as often um another way i think to attract female talent um it's really to be honest to yourself and to the candidates, we, we already covered this, about the reasons why nobody wants to be a diversity hire. So, don't treat your female candidates like they are diversity hire. That should not be it. I think the more you really can genuinely bring across what diversity means to you, that you actually really are talking about diversity and thinking as well, and that you really appreciate the new thoughts that somebody could bring in, the new methods, the different approaches to certain things. Um, I think that's what really makes somebody attracted to a company to really understand, okay, they're being genuine. They do not expect me to come into this company and act like a man in order to be successful, but I can also come and just be myself and bring in a different angle on certain things and they will appreciate it instead of shutting me down. Um, it's, it sounds easier than it is. I know it's the, probably the most um, difficult part of it all to really be open for building diverse teams and to really understand that it also takes changing your environment, um, but I think it's definitely the most impactful when attracting talent
0: yeah yeah and I think yeah so so important. I think how can we actually attract the talent if we cannot be honest with ourselves about why we're looking for that talent um so I think being honest and and actually being understanding it and and not just having you know hiring a female engineer for the numbers, you know it's all well and good, uh but you know we we can see through that, right you know female engineers see that, and I think they're we're becoming exactly. a lot more aware of it, and I think the conversations we're having today are even highlighting such issues, so females will be more aware of it in the first place as well.
1: And I think that's all we can do because I also want to highlight if I had the solutions to all of this, I would probably be rich and famous. I don't, right? (laughs) I can just I can just see um the issue from my perspective, from my experience being a woman in a more male-dominated industry or being a woman, I can see it from experiences shared with or by female candidates. I can see it from experiences shared by by um female colleagues that I have. Um so I think awareness is all I have and things that um yeah, I'm testing out and that have worked well. But in the end, it takes a village to actually implement that and to make it part of your everyday understanding. So it is really, really complex and there's not an easy way to it. Um, In the end, um, I think awareness is really important, having a structure, doing what you can, but constantly having discussions. So I think that's that's all we can do, really
0: yeah like you said, it takes a village, you know even having this conversation now is is hopefully going to change some, but it won't change the entire issue we have right, so I think it's a lot more than just speaking about it once and and like putting it to the side it is it's yeah. a constant conversation which it's I think constant. companies need to be having exactly, yeah,
1: but I'm happy that we can have this conversation then I'm, I'm I'm just happy that there are um resources now for um, females to listen to. I remember when I started my career, it just didn't, didn't exist, right? So you had to find your own little tribe of women that um, have done it before and um, have your little meetups and circles of uh, people that inspire you, women that inspire you, that help you through it. So um, I think we're ready one step further than 10 years ago or 15 years ago when I started my career. Um, Yeah, to even have the resources and listen to women all over the world and their experience raising awareness worldwide. I think that's already a big step.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, totally. And I guess on the topic of having these conversations, right, you know, they are pretty difficult. I think some people might not be aware or might not know the best way to go about it, what to say, what not to say. I mean, for people listening, right, it could be a conversation that, you know, a, a HR, even a junior HR might need to have with the hiring manager, right, for what to say, what not to say, how can we go about it? I mean, on that topic, what do you think is the, is the best way to go about it? You know, a, a HR is, is or a, a junior HR is sitting, they know what the issue is, um, but they're not too sure how the best way to go about it, or even speaking to the hiring manager about what to say and what not to say, what's the yeah. best way to kind of approach that topic? Because I think a lot of people will struggle with that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think the easiest way to open up the conversation is to take blame out of the equation, because that doesn't help anybody. It's not about blaming somebody for the privilege that they have, right? Um, Because now we're talking about the um, um, male-female ratio. Um, So obviously, um, I'm coming from the perspective of minority. For other conversations about diversity, I'm I'll be coming from the privileged side of things, right? So um, it's really about people don't like being confronted with their privilege because they don't necessarily see themselves as part of the problem. And um, I think it's a natural reaction. And you have to be aware of that. It doesn't help to open the conversation by saying like, hey, you're part of the problem and um, I really think you're doing it wrong. So taking blame out of it and rather really speaking from facts, really speaking about how diverse teams are more productive, how um, diversity has direct relation to or correlation to um um yeah high performing teams and all these kind of things. So how can you really benefit from that? I'm um, talking about retention, talking about um um collaboration, all these kind of things. So I think it really really helps to, with every discussion that you have with the hiring manager, take your time to prepare, take your time to also understand. Okay, what is that person like that I'm talking to? Just as you would with every business decision you have to make or propose, right? Um, translate it to a way that um, the other person understands. Some people want to hear like a story. So maybe for them, you can highlight a bit more your own struggles as a woman in that space. Other people are all about facts. So maybe you can find studies that prove uh, or show or highlight um, how diversity affects productivity and stuff like that. Right. So I would really always try to prepare that topic in a way the other person is able to digest and doesn't feel like we're blaming them for anything. Because I really don't want to blame male colleagues for the fact that they are born male. This is not what this is all about. And I know it's a very sensitive topic because some male interviewers, hiring managers, colleagues might be coming from the right place and thinking like, hey, I really care about this topic, but should I be the one talking about this now? Because I am not really somebody that knows how it feels. Am I allowed to talk about it? So there's also like a lot of insecurity going on, right? Um, and I think that's something that you can work with to just really say like, okay, I am not judging your personality. This is purely business related. We are talking about what is best for the workspace. We are talking about we can build better higher performing teams, more diverse teams. So I would always try to reach it from that angle um, instead of coming from a place of judging personality. Nobody likes to have their personality judged. So um, yeah, bring in as many facts as possible always helps.
0: Yeah yeah because I, I, I think that is so key when it comes to any sort of difficult conversation yeah. I think when you've yeah. got a conversation like this whereby you know as a female you will be speaking from the minority but again it's not you know the hiring man just thought that he was born a male you know it's kind of just one of those things but I think having the conversation and knowing that it is a difficult conversation we're already walking in the right direction. Yeah yeah
1: absolutely because also um in in the past, having these conversations with um, hiring managers, um, some of them would say, yeah, but we are inclusive, we don't have an issue. Okay, but have you asked your female employees? Would they agree with that? Or is this coming from your own perspective? Because you just don't see the privilege, right? So... Um, it really helps to be patient, to really also understand that it's hard to unlearn things that are so inherent in our culture in the way that somebody was brought up, right? So we cannot change the world overnight. It's also not our job to do that. So I think it's always best to just stick to the facts, don't make it too personal. I know that's easier said than done. I'm a highly emotional person and this is a topic that is really close to my heart. So also sometimes um, the solution is like, hey, Let's leave it here after this 15-minute discussion. Let's revisit this topic next week maybe when we all had time to think about certain things and put them into other words uh, because I also know when to stop or leave the discussion if I feel like it's going to the wrong direction. It's too emotional.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, we that that topic in itself, I love. I mean, we could go into so much about that, honestly, because it's so interesting. Because you know, females, I hate to say it, they tend to be a bit more emotional. They tend to be a bit more emotive. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're 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 not going to be good at the job, or we're not going to be good at these conversations, and we're not speaking from a emotional point of view when we do talk about this. It generally is facts. It is just like, I, I
1: I love this discussion. I know it's a bit off topic, but um, I don't think women are more emotional. I just think that women have a wider range of accepted uh, emotions, right? Yeah. Whereas men, I think, are taught that the only acceptable emotion is anger <laughs> um, or assertiveness, <laughs> if you want to call it that. So I think men are just as emotional, it's just a different kind of emotion. So... It's just a yeah. more extreme, maybe more angry kind of emotion and uh, <laughs> not this vulnerable side. So I also don't want to be talking in cliches because uh, it, it might not be true for every man, every woman. But in, in general, I would agree with you that um, women hate when they're being called emotional or when they're being judged. I being hate it. Because in the end, it's also maybe it is also my asset. And it's something that I also learned. Um, again, I've been in this industry for long enough to, yeah, having to have Uncomfortable situations with men, multiple times, and still having them. To be honest, and um, in the beginning, I think like every every female in the industry struggling with. Okay, do I have to have more male traits? Do I have to adjust to the way that things are done? um or can I just be myself um I think I'm a more extrovert louder person by nature so maybe it was easier for me to some degree because I can also get angry I can also be loud and I can also talk over people if I need right so that's why maybe I didn't have that many issues with some male colleagues at times (laughs) um but but I think that this is also like coming back to the discussion about Is a company, is a hiring manager really open to building a diverse team? Do they understand that it means that there's different levels of even extroverted introverts? We don't even have to talk about male, female here. We can talk about um, just how you speak, how long you take to think about things. What is the decision-making process? Um, What is your prioritization? All these kind of things. So just understanding, do I actually want to have a diverse team? um and meaning diverse in thinking not only talking about male female ratio and these kind of things but that's a whole other topic
0: <laughs> yeah i was about to say a whole nother topic but yeah honestly thank you so much jasmine uh, for the conversation i guess just to kind of summarize just to kind of end it um for people struggling with diversity uh, or diverse hiring or their talent pool whatever it may be what would you say are your three takeaways or your three um kind of must do's uh, from your experience
1: i would really say the key is revisit your interview process build it as standardized as possible. Um, that really, really helps. Constantly review your processes um, to make sure if it still fits the hiring need that you have, it still fits the profile you're hiring for, and just to make sure that everybody's on board with your definition or your standard of interviewing. Um, it helps in recruiting in general, but it also already helps minimize bias. Second thing would be get everybody on board male and female make this a topic and make it an open and also blame-free discussion where different experience can be shared just make it a topic and i would say maybe on popular opinion make it mandatory as well um, no good thing will come for free, I think. So if you have interview trainings, if you have unconscious bias trainings, if you want to implement a certain way or best practice how to treat female candidates or any kind of candidate experience, really um, make it a mandatory training, implement it. Um, also make the ones that say I don't need it. They're the ones that need it most. So <laughs> I, I would really yeah. say that um, it doesn't it doesn't help if talent acquisition or people and culture is motivated to do these things and change certain things if you don't get everybody on board if you don't force them in the best sense of the word to get on board then it won't go anywhere
0: love that love that well jasmine thank you so so much for your time today thank i could and talk with you for, for hours and hours about each topic but we'll, we'll yeah, keep I, it short
1: but... <laughs> thanks for the invite i i really enjoyed it